Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This week, I'm right across the street from our studios at the Soldiers Memorial Military Museum. It is a, you can't miss the building. It is a gorgeous facility, and I am here with the director, Mark Sunlove, and Lon Zimmerman, a docent. Guys, thanks so much. It's a Veterans Day weekend, and it couldn't be more appropriate to be in this location. Yeah, thanks so much for being here, and uh, it's a, a privilege to be able to, to share more about Soldiers Memorial and what we've been doing uh, recently, especially in terms of Veterans Day. Well, let's start with the history. Sure. Uh, when did this start? Uh, tell me about, uh, let's go back in time. Sure. So, uh, if you want, to, the very beginning, I guess, is 1923, and they the city passed an $87 million bond issue. And that's when uh, it did many things that you'd expect of a city, you know, sewer, streets, fire, police, all those typical things. But then also they were aiming to uh, construct a memorial plaza and also a memorial building to recognize those they had lost during World War One, which was just a few years previous. And then Took some time, but uh, all of this this land around here, which is now kind of green space, a lot of city parks, was all you know three four story buildings, and so the city gradually over over years acquired the pro- property, cleared it, created the parks, and then in 1936 began construction on Soldiers Memorial, opened it in 1938. Um, yeah. Juan, you were telling me about the building. Can you uh, go into detail about this building because it is. It stands out in downtown St. Louis. Yes, it's. Um, it was uh, the architects were Marin, Russell, and Crow, and they designed what was uh, called the classical strip classical style, which was very popular in the twenties and the thirties. Um, you know, it's classical in the sense that it's got a lot of columns around the building, but they. They are stripped of ornamentation, so it's. Uh, some people think it's fairly bare and stark, but it's. It was the style at that time. On the interior, it's primarily Art Deco, which really adds to its beauty. It's. It's a beautiful, beautiful building. Yeah, it looks like something out of ancient Greece or Rome, <laughs> but then on the inside, as you said, it's got the more modern Art Deco look. It's stunning, uh, both inside and out. What has this place meant to St. Louis over the decades? Mark, talk about how it's evolved. Sure. So, um, you know, it was built as a World War I memorial. 
and, and when it opened in 1938, that was just a few years prior to our entry into World War II. Um, so after World War II, the city kind of looked at itself and said, what will we do now to remember those we lost in World War II? So the, the block south of the building, uh, they began uh, kind of developing that into what we now know as the Court of Honor. Um, and they, uh, there's a tall monument erected there and then a long L-shaped wall that runs along Market Street. Uh, it has the names of over 2,500 St. Louisans who lost their lives in World War II. And then following the Korean War in the, in the 50s and then in Vietnam, um, the 60s and 70s, um, they continued to add memorials uh, in that court of honor, really kind of in the same manner and style as the um, the original World War One memorial, which is just a, a listing of the names of all of the individuals from St. Louis who lost their lives in those conflicts, um, and so it's you know it, 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 we do a few things here. One is that memorial aspect, and a lot of that is in the outdoor space. But then when you move inside, uh, there's uh, three exhibition galleries that really share the the our educational mission. You know, sharing the the history of St. Louis and military service and how not only the military's involvement, but also the community's involvement in different conflicts and different how different businesses or organizations uh, kind of contributed to uh, or, or played roles in those conflicts. Um, and then the third thing that we do is really support the active military and, and veterans groups. So up on the second floor of the building, there are large meeting rooms and, and spaces that we use for a number of things, primarily to for that kind of support role and, and being a place for uh, veterans groups and then and also the community, you know, to do, you know, we do rentals and, and different things here uh, that, that folks can utilize the building for. You mentioned the community's involvement in the conflicts that the U.S. has been a part of over the decades. Can you give me an example? Sure. Um, I think one of the more prominent uh, artifacts in the World War II area of the galleries is a is a nose turret off of a B-24 uh, bomber. And those turrets, uh, you know, were critical for those bomber aircraft that were serving in Europe and Asia. And they were produced right here in St. Louis up at the Emerson plant. And they were cranking out thousands of those turrets. And so not only does that turret kind of tell the story of uh, you know, bomber aircraft and how they operated in the war setting, but then also uh, tells the story of, you know, highlights the fact that those were produced right here in St. Louis. And, and so those types of stories, you know, and, and getting people to understand um, that, you know, the military doesn't operate in a, in a vacuum, right, that there's communities uh, involved and certainly St. Louis's involvement. And then we do a long with those stories, of course, we tell stories of St. Louisans who have served and who have done different things. And we don't, we don't have a real focus on you know looking at the big generals and the, the big troop movements and all that. We like to tell the uh, the individual stories, right? So you know, the, the the average person, you know, the average service member, you know, and there's countless stories of St. Louisans who have served uh, very proudly and uh, with with great distinction. And so we we share those stories as well. I know it's impossible because there are countless stories, but is there one or two that stand out to you or that you keep telling over and over again? Either, either. Well, one of them uh, that really impressed me and I learned more about him was Wendell Pruitt. Wendell Pruitt was a flyer for the Tuskegee Air Corps 
which as we know was an all African American Corps trained in Tuskegee, Alabama, just south of uh, Birmingham. And he became a world, and they were, uh, the military was still pretty segregated at that time. So African Americans weren't allowed to fly with, with Caucasians. Well, it was just the way that it was back then. But uh, Wendell Pruitt became a noted World War II flyer. He flew 70 missions in Germany and then came back to the United States uh, to, and back to Tuskegee to help train other African Americans in the uh, skill of flying. Unfortunately, during one of those training missions, his training aircraft disintegrated and he died. Uh, later, we in St. Louis memorialized him uh, with a <laughs> less than memori- uh, memorable building complex, the pruitt uh complex that, that we uh, know about from St. Louis history. Mark, did you have one as well? Um, yeah, I think uh, right now in our lower level um, is a, an exhibit um, on the Vietnam War called Vietnam at War and at Home. And uh, certainly there are a number of individuals in there, but uh, one individual, Michael Blossy, uh, I kind of have a personal connection with. He's an uh, Air Force Academy graduate like myself, went on to fly uh, in, in Vietnam and lost his life um, on a mission. And is a very complicated story, but uh, uh, Blasi essentially was his remains were not identified, um, were not originally identified, and ended up being selected for the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier in Washington D.C. as the Vietnam War example. Years later, um, his family, kind of working diligently, were able to prove that those remains were actually Michael Blasey's, their their brother and their their son. Um, and so his remains were removed from the tomb of the unknown soldier in D.C. and brought here back home to St. Louis and interred at the uh, Jefferson Barracks. So his story is told both in our, our main exhibition but also in that, that special exhibition, uh, Vietnam at War and at Home. Is he? Is that the story where they found the remains recently? Um, no, this was well. Yeah, no, the, the, they found the remains during the Vietnam War. Okay, uh, but there was a, a significant time gap between uh, when he crashed and when the remains were found, and it, it basically they weren't able to identify them at the time, um, and so he ends up being selected as that representative. As an on as a MIA missing in action uh, uh, flyer, uh, but it's a complicated story. But there was some other evidence that eventually led to his identification, the identification of those remains as as his. I've heard quite a few stories lately of people who had died in World War Two, could have been World War One, Vietnam War. The technology that's available today through DNA and genealogy to identify remains um, is remarkable. And you keep hearing stories about people who were unknown, but now they've been identified. Have you heard about more of those? Yeah, there's been uh, at least two individuals uh, from World War II in St. Louis um, whose remains have been identified. And yeah, it's through that use of the DNA technology. And then 
because other individual living individuals have contributed their DNA, uh, they're able to create these kind of family matches and, and begin to um, identify who these who these individuals are. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Right now, we are going through not the U.S. involvement. Let me rephrase that. Right now, we are witnessing a war going on in the Middle East. When that kind of thing happens, how do you acknowledge that here, if you do at all? Yeah, I think, you know, we we certainly look at, uh, you know, we're a history museum primarily, uh, but it's important for us to, you know, remain knowledgeable and engaged with, with current events and understand what's going on, especially in our relationship with uh, some of the active military units. And so, we, you know, we, we do do things uh, through, you know, social media pages and things like that. We will share information and, and, and whatnot and certainly recognize uh, those who are serving. Um, and we still, that memorial aspect of our work, which is outdoors, uh, in 2019, we added an additional uh, uh, panel, um, uh, m- memorial panel with the names of those who've lost their lives in service since the Vietnam War. So it's kind of a continually expanding thing. And, um, you know, you know, heaven forbid, we do end up involved uh, in the Middle East in that war again. Uh, we certainly are here to, to be a place uh, for people to come and talk about it, uh, to have program, educational programs and, and things like that for, for anything that's ongoing. Well, we talked a little bit about St. Louis's history and involvement in these conflicts from a military-industrial complex aspect. The remnants of that is, are still around, and in some cases, they're really negative in terms of the, I'm thinking of the radioactive oh, contamination, sure. something like that. Do you acknowledge here those kinds of things where, you know, it's it, that's a current event that is going on. People are fighting about it in Washington, trying to get uh, some funding for, for those folks who have been exposed. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I, I think we, our role in that is, you know, primarily educational. You know, a lot of people don't realize the the processing of the, those radioactive materials was happening here uh, in St. Louis. So we've played an educational role in that and explaining, you know, why was that here and what were they doing? And of course, that was all part of the, the larger Manhattan Project and the development, the development of the original you know, atomic weapons uh, that, that uh, material needed to be processed. And you know, unfortunately, this process creates waste. It was stored uh, and, uh, and, and that storage leaked um, and, and got into the water supply and has caused uh, some problems. But you know, we're not scientists, so we don't really get into that aspect of it, but certainly understanding, um, you know, kind of the, the context and the reasons behind some of these things. We, yeah, we dive right into those stories and make sure that, uh, you know, we're prepared to talk with folks and, and include those uh, in any exhibitions if we have, you know, the appropriate artifacts to tell those stories and stuff. Yeah. Well, let me expound on the artifact thing. So what are some of the artifacts you have here that are like uh, highlights that you enjoy promoting? Lon? One of the artifacts that we have uh, is an IED, um, improvised explosive device, which was became a new weapon of war in the War on Terror. Mm. And during the War on Terror, conventional weapons were used but IEDs are estimated to have claimed over 60% of the 
of the casualties during that war. I mean, I, I mean that's an amazing artifact to be able to talk about and, and to realize how war, uh, there's many aspects of war that stays the same, but the weapons of war change and the way that people wage war change. Well, yeah, when you walk into a museum and you see artifacts like that, it, it brings the, you know, the solemnness of, of, of war right in front of you. I mean, whenever I see something like that, you know, it makes me stop and pause and think about these things. I guess that's the whole purpose of having artifacts is uh, not to show them off, but to, to learn and to think about history because we're doomed to repeat it if we don't consider it. So, yeah, that's why I think it's important to have those things. Mark, you want to say something? Yeah, uh, certainly. I think that I think one of the interesting things about Soldiers Memorial are those artifacts in the museum exhibition galleries, but then also some of the aspects of the building itself. Um, one thing that's always been really compelling to me is when you, when you come up the stairs to Soldiers Memorial, there's a large black uh, granite cenotaph, which means empty tomb, and that's the original memorial aspect of the building. It has the names of the 1,072 St. Louisans who died in World War I on it. So it's, you know, you come up those stairs and it's this very imposing kind of reminder of the, of the cost of war. But what is, what's even more compelling to me is that as you, if you look up above that, up to the ceiling, there's this incredible uh, gold uh, star tiled mosaic ceiling. And um, World War I is is when the nation starts to use the gold star to symbolize uh, families, mothers who have lost children uh, and family members in war. And so that kind of gold star, uh, for me, is symbolically looking down upon that, that black granite cenotaph is just the kind of ultimate reminder of, you know, the cost of not only the individuals who lose their lives, but all of those, you know, all of us who are kind of left behind here to, to try to make sense of it and, and to understand that loss. So... Let me ask you personally, uh, Mark, tell me a little bit about your background, how you got into this. Sure. Sure. Um, I served in the Air Force uh, in, uh, in the nuclear uh, Minuteman missile system up in uh, North Dakota for a while. And uh, following that, uh, I knew I wanted to be in history and work in history. And uh, so I ended up going through grad school and getting degrees in uh, museum studies and how to operate museums and take care of collections and, and things of that nature. So a, kind of a winding path, but eventually that led me to, uh, to St. Louis and uh, came here in 2018, which was at the end of a $30 million renovation of Soldiers Memorial and came here to, uh, to reopen it and, and to direct the museum. And Lon, how about you? What's your story? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I was a history major in college, and it's always been my interest and passion. And but I didn't practice it in my workaday life. And when I retired in, I guess, 2018, I wanted to get more involved in. And, and look at more in depth as far as history. And I volunteered down at the Missouri Historical Society, said I'd like to do something. I didn't know what it was uh, going to be. And they said, well, you could work here at uh, the museum in Forest Park, or we're opening this new museum downtown, uh, reopening the Soldiers Memorial. 
and you could go down there. And I thought, well, I'd rather be one of the new guys on the block uh, down downtown than find my way with everyone who's been here for a, a decade. And so uh, that's how I got involved, and it, it's just really recharge my interest in history and it's been so much fun and we've had a chance to meet such wonderful people not only the co-workers and the co-volunteers but the general public that's and and to answer their questions and learn where they're coming from and help them explore the history not only of uh, St. Louis and not only of, of war and our country's involvement, but the in particular what St. Louis and St. Louisians did. Well, to that point, St. Louis is smack in the middle of America, and when you talk about the history of America in war, and we're talking about mid-America, it's the heartland, you have to think that this is an influential place. So how would you, in a few words, describe the story of St. Louis in war? That's a, a good question. I think, you know, for me, um, what the part of our exhibition gallery for me that, that um, kind of drives home St. Louis's importance is those early years and really the really the construction of Jefferson Barracks. And this is as as the country is, you know, beginning to move west and um, at its location at the at the confluence of the Missouri and the Mississippi rivers made it the the spot to launch you know significant expeditions that were that were going west and and kind of you know for the the euro americans kind of exploring this space for the first time and 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 learning what was here and and whatnot and uh but st louis and jefferson barracks were just they were that hub of all that activity that that was happening out there and for me that's always been you know the most uh I guess symbolically important thing, and then of course all the uh, the generals that you think of when you think of uh, the Civil War. Um, almost nearly all those guys, including you know Grant, who's who met his wife here in St. Louis, were all serving at Jefferson Barracks at some point. It was just the place where you went when you were when you were a young officer um, in, in serving. So. That's kind of it for me. And then, of course, uh, you know, later years, the industry, McDonnell Douglas, uh, the Emerson's enrollment, Boeing's in, involvement here in St. Louis, um, just all that activity. Scott Air Force Base and Fort Leonard Wood just down the road. And, um, you know, Scott, anytime you see anything moving, you know, material or, or people uh, anywhere on on the globe, if it's related to the military, Scott Air Force Base is involved with that. And so... Um, just that kind of continuing uh, legacy, that that co- that kind of cornerstone cornerstone role of St. Louis. Yeah, Lon, did you want to add anything else? Oh, I, I've been fascinated by the people involved too. And when you mentioned Scott Air Force Base and St. Louis's involvement in aviation is really remarkable. You know, we th- we think of McDonald um, aircraft being here and at the genesis but even before that i mean there were um people like um uh, albert von uh, lambert who came from this very wealthy st louis family that founded listerine you know um lambert Ph- pharmaceutical 
but he became fascinated with with flying. He became uh, got one of the early balloon licenses, and then in 1909 he goes to Ohio and gets Orville Wright to teach him how to fly. I mean, you know, when you've got money, you could do that, I guess. <laughs> but um, coming to Scott Air Force Base, he was the power behind getting the government to set up a training base because he recognized the importance of flying in warfare. In 1917, he got the uh, government to set up what became Scott Air Force Base. And then he was important in Lambert Field, as we know it in the 20s. So, I mean, seeing these people who, who dip into so many aspects of our lives, it's, it's just amazing. I, th I think the people uh, are, are as fascinating as the events. Lon Zimmerman, a docent at the, at the Soldiers Memorial Military Museum downtown. Thank you so much. Mark Sunlove, the director of the museum. Guys, it was, it was fascinating to, to hear you describe the history of St. Louis and our involvement in war. So thanks again. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 